Welcome, friends! I'm your host, Adrian, and yes, you found us. Tea with Puppets, a podcast about Canadian stamp collecting. Yeah! This is episode number 11, and today we'll be talking about one of the most elusive figures of early Canadian history. Get yourself cozy, and we'll jump right into it in just a moment. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us. Today we'll be talking about the latest Canada Post release to celebrate Black History Month. The stamp is a beautiful artistic rendition of Matthew DaCosta, the first black African known to have visited Canada. We'll jump right into the design in just a moment, but first let's learn a little bit more about the man on the stamp. Admittedly, there's little known about Matthew DaCosta. Nevertheless, there are a couple of records that remain, which have allowed historians to put together somewhat of a timeline to his life. We know, for example, that Matthew DaCosta was a free black man of African or even Euro-African descent. It's most likely DaCosta was Beninan, being that this was one of the languages he spoke and somewhat out of place with the other languages he was known to speak. The first European travelers to reach Benin, located in the coastal hinterland of West Africa, were Portuguese explorers around 1485. A strong mercantile relationship developed with the Edo people of Benin, who traded tropical products such as ivory, pepper, and palm oil with the Portuguese for European goods such as Manila and guns. So while his Beninan Portuguese heritage could explain how da Costa was able to speak Portuguese, we still don't know how da Costa was able to pick up indigenous languages so quickly. Most theories I found seem to suggest he was knowledgeable of pigeon Basque, commonly used for trade in the Americas. The Basques of northern Spain were frequent visitors to fisheries along the Atlantic coast, and this dialect was understood by the Micmac and Montagnais, who lived along the north shore of the St. Lawrence River. Others suggest that he picked it up merely from his interactions with the Portuguese, and that prior to his seafaring days, he possibly worked as a translator for merchants and members of his community. Regardless of how it happened, the Portuguese hired da Costa for their expeditions because of his command of languages. He traveled to Newfoundland sometime before 1603 and learned the eastern Algonquin dialect by Spain time with the Micmac people who resided there. As you can imagine, da Costa's skills made him sought out by European explorers. Now I must admit, as I did my research, it became quite apparent there are many more conflicts in this historical record in terms of timeline. What I do know is he seemed to be very naturally talented as a linguist and a translator. This made his services highly sought after. Also, over his lifetime, he became a very important person in building bridges between French explorers and the indigenous people they found. So, let's move on to what we know in terms of timelines. Most records seem to agree that between 1604 and 1607, Matthew de Costa was working with the Acadians, also known as the French settlers in early Nova Scotia. They had begun commerce with the Micmac Indians along Nova Scotia's Atlantic coast. I did find one account that lists Acosta as a linguist and interpreter for Samuel de Champlain aboard the ship Jonas that sailed from La Rochelle in France to Acadia in 1606. In other records, it's reported that Matthew, along with three other men, died of scurvy during the winter of 1607 in Port Royal, Nova Scotia. However, most historians seem to agree that by February 1607, Matthew da Costa was living in Holland. According to this timeline, sometime between 1606 and 1607, he was sailing near Tadoussac, an important trading post in New France. The vessel he sailed on were owned by Pierre Dugas de Mont, a French fur trader, explorer, and governor of Acadia. 
Somehow, da Costa got involved in a trade dispute and was kidnapped by the Dutch, who brought him back to the Netherlands. During this time, da Costa, ever the eager learner of languages, managed to learn how to speak Dutch as well. In 1608, de Mon went to Amsterdam to protest the Dutch seizure of his vessels and the kidnapping of da Costa. Eventually, da Costa was freed, reconnected with his former employer, and signed a three-year contract with de Mon at an annual salary of 60 crowns, or roughly 64,000 U.S. in 2017 dollars. Now, the contract was supposed to commence in 1609, but unfortunately, in December of that year, da Costa got in trouble again. This time, it was with the French authorities, and he was put in jail in La Havre, France, for insolences. We don't know the full details of his incarceration, but it suggests that da Costa had an independent spirit and spoke his mind. Although we aren't certain how he eventually got out of jail, he did return to the New World. Back in New France, da Costa resumed working with Champlain, De Mont, and Aboriginal communities along the St. Lawrence, as well as along the Atlantic coast. By the time he died, sometime after 1619 in Quebec City, da Costa spoke Beninan, French, Dutch, Portuguese, Creolu, Basque, Spanish, Pigeons, as well as several different Algonquin dialects. Unfortunately, there aren't many more details in the historical record to learn about Matthew da Costa, but there is no denying his importance in early Canadian history. Not only was da Costa a representative of early cross-cultural interaction, but his interpretive abilities helped to reduce cultural and communication barriers between early French explorers and the indigenous people of the New World. Now that we have a bit of the backstory of Matthew da Costa, let's learn more about the stamp that was just recently released. Now, like the lack of deep historical records, there is a lack of knowledge of what exactly da Costa looked like. So with no portrait available, designer Andrew Perro and illustrator Ron Dolkamp work closely with Canadian historical illustrator and storyboard artist Francis Back to ensure their image on the stamp was historically accurate. The stamp depicts Matthew da Costa in fine clothing and cap, and in the foreground is a large ship being welcomed by indigenous people of Canada paddling their canoes to meet them. You can see great care was paid to the socio-economic milieu da Costa lived in, with the rich details you can see in the clothing he is wearing and the sailing ship depicted in the stamp. The domestic rate stamp is available in booklets of 10, and the official first day cover is cancelled in Tadoussac, Quebec, where historians believe da Costa had come ashore. Also, don't forget, if you get yourself a copy of this stamp, like all stamps issued in 2017, it contains a hidden reference to Canada's 150th anniversary. This will only be visible when you place the stamps under special blacklight. I love the fun of hidden tags, and besides, you never know what else you'll find. For example, on the stamps I bought, the booklet seemed to have a weird error when examined under the blacklight. There is what I've come to call a ghost outline, or a centena pair, below the four stamps on the bottom portion of the booklet. I'll post a picture on the show notes so you can see for yourself. Now, it's too early to tell if it's just from the post office I frequent, or it's a more widespread issue. But, you know, it's always fun to find stuff when you turn that black light on. Regardless of this tagging flaw, the Matthew DaCosta stamp is certainly a wonderful addition to your collection. So that's it for the 11th episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing this show with your friends. The time you take to do this is helpful in getting the word out, so we appreciate it immensely. 
If you're looking for more info about the show, make sure to check us out at teawithpuppets.com. To see the stamps we mentioned in this episode and more, click on the show notes image at the top right corner of our website or the link we've added to the description of this podcast episode. If you have any podcast feedback, ideas for guests, cool stories, or more, we'd love to hear it too. You can email us over at feedback at teawithpuppets.com. Finally, if you're on Facebook, make sure you like our page or follow us on Twitter at our handle, Tea with Puppets. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon for our next episode. Have a super rest of the day, and happy collecting. <laughs>